Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Hi, Mayor. Hi, Jen. How are you today? I'm pretty good. How are you today? I mean, we're recording this on April Fool's Day, 2020, but it sure doesn't feel like a normal April Fool's. No joke. There's no joke about what's going on right now. And since there's nobody in this house, my choice is to play an April Fool's Day prank on one of my, on my loved one or my dogs. And that doesn't sound right. No, that's not even fun because we're not at work. It's tough not seeing people. Yeah, it is. I think aside, on top of dealing with the anxiety about potential outcomes from coronavirus, being physically distanced from coworkers, from friends, even from strangers, just like walking through the grocery store, nobody says hi, nobody smiles. If they are smiling, can't you know? If I'm smiling, nobody can see it because I'm wearing a mask, and. It's just such a strange, strange time. It is. It feels um, a bit lonesome. And, and I will say that I, among many people that I know, are probably more prepared for this kind of lifestyle than others because I have not worked outside of the home. I've worked remotely for years, since 2012. So I'm used to not being in the presence of coworkers. I'm used to talking to them via phone or text messaging. And when I was teaching online, I didn't use Zoom very often because the teachers I worked with were actually teaching in the classroom during the day and then teaching online at night. I was, that, I was the one in the group that was home and I could make a lot of corrections in our course and handle emergencies that we might have. And, but I was very connected to people. It was very real-time living. But I could also leave my house and go to lunch. We made a habit of going out to lunch every day. And we sort of have our little routine of, you know, favorite restaurants. And you've been to some of them with us that are, you know, they're not chain restaurants. They're community restaurants. You know, community members started these restaurants. And I miss not having that. I miss Freddy's. not having that. Friday night at Freddy's. Not at Freddy's. No. Not at Pine Valley Market. Um, some of our favorites, Rucker John's, Shrimp Bites. These are our, like all standalone places. And I can't even get takeout from them because I won't do takeout. It's too risky. Yeah. And I, you know, I know as that a lot of caregivers, if, if our listeners aren't caregivers, you know, probably you think, well, caregivers are used to staying home. They're used to being a bit isolated. And that's true. But we have no control right now over so, so many things. And caregivers are used to being in control. We are, we are a controlling sort of people. So I guess today we're gonna revisit a topic that we've talked about a couple of times. We talked about it um, when a hurricane was uh, headed your way and it ended up up hitting North Carolina. and we talked about, we called that worst case scenario, but we're not really in scenario right now. For some people, um, this crisis, this COVID crisis is gonna be worst case reality. 
And uh, many caregivers right now, they've lost control, they've lost their connections, and they're scared. They're scared of becoming sick and leaving their loved ones um, alone and vulnerable. And um, that's what that's what's on their mind. That's what's on my mind. And it's what's on my mind as well. And I'm sure it's on the mind of many, many people, but many caregivers in particular, because generally who we're caring for is a vulnerable person, which then makes us vulnerable, like by proxy, right? Because if something happens to us, what happens to the people that we're caring for? which is always something in the back of my mind, and I'm sure it's in the back of your mind as well. And we've taken care of those, that, that thought process by thinking through the possibilities of who would care for your brother and who would care for my husband. But it all seemed abstract in some ways. Now that reality has hit us. And it and when we recorded Worst Case Scenario, and I, I wanna encourage our listeners to go back to that episode um, and listen to it. It it was not nearly as an acute a threat as as we're experiencing right now. So, uh, with advances in weather prediction, now we we have time to make plans, to grab our binder, to to take our loved one and get somewhere safe. Um, if we were to catch the flu, most most people who catch the flu, even if they become ill and have to be hospitalized like I did, you've got a little bit of time. And the, and the people in your life, even if they live far away, are likely not also going to have the flu. They're not going to face travel restrictions um, or issues with being um, exposing someone to germs and quarantine. And what we're dealing with right now involves all of those things. And um, it's, it's something that you can prepare for a, a little bit now. You can do some things, and that's what we want to talk about today. So one of the things that we just wanted to remind you was to go back and listen to that podcast because there's so much good information in there. Agreed. And if you did um, listen to that podcast or, or, or didn't, but have done this anyway and have prepared your binder full of important pieces of information, like if you have a DNR, you will, power of attorneys, any insurance policies, all the things that we talked about in worst case scenario, I urge you to go back and check on that paperwork and see if that paperwork that you did maybe a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, is still all the things that you want to have happen. Do you want a DNR? Do you want, does your will need to be changed? Do you need to think about who's gonna be in charge of your healthcare? Maybe when you did that a few years ago, that person has passed on or they're not in your life anymore for whatever reason. Is it, so can you make those changes now legally? I mean, I think it could be challenging, but I would write them down and print them out on a piece of paper and sign that and date it. And I would say that would be the changes I wanted. And I did have a chance to talk to a, uh, a, a family a member who's an attorney, and there are uh, lawyers who are still uh, doing some practice uh, via mail, old-fashioned snail mail. Um, you could email them your documents. Um, they could send you back what you need to sign. Um, in some cases, you know, it's, that's going to be a state-by-state -state thing, but at least you will have made known to someone uh, what your wishes are. And, and I have to tell you, one of the things that came to my mind is like, oh, I have all that stuff and it's, 
it's updated and I'm, it's got my new address on it, all the things. But I realized that I don't think anybody has the combination to my safe. And that's a pretty important thing. I don't have a million dollars in doubloons in there, but I, I do have some important things that someone would want if something happens to me. So definitely listeners get your binder out, whether you're a caregiver or not. If you don't have, um, a what to do if I die binder, you need one. It's a good one to have. I think there's important pieces on there. And I think that you could also include, and there's some great books out there on Amazon that you can get to guide you through the process. It doesn't have to be a binder that you're thinking of putting together all by yourself there. There are some great books out there. Like, you know, think of all the passwords we have. Mm -hmm. I, I use address books for it. I'm on my second address book after like, I don't know, eight or 10 years because we can't, you just can't keep them straight. And so do you have to leave those for people like I do because all my banking information is about, you know, would, the kids would need to get into all of that stuff, my children. So, I mean, I think that those are the things that have to go in the binder. Those are, that's, this is really like the nuts and bolts of the, the business that we have to take care of in our lives. There's the whole other aspect, which I, I think we'll touch on too today as well, right? Like our supplies, where, what are our supply levels? as? Yeah. I mean, you and I have both already um, experienced this. Um, I experienced it uh, about a month ago after my brother had surgery and realized that, that none of the stores had rubbing alcohol. And that's something that you need after surgery for wound care to prevent infection. It's also something that you need to clean respiratory equ equipment, um, to clean you know, a lot of, uh, of medical care that's done in the home by millions of people across the country requires things like alcohol swabs or um, gloves so that you don't contaminate yourself or so that you can apply medication or because you're doing personal care and you need to keep your hands clean. But now we also need gloves. In some instances, if I, if I were caring for someone and I began having symptoms and I was the only person in my home caring for that loved one and they needed to care 24 seven with their aspects of daily living, I would need to protect them. So I need to wear gloves, need to have a mask. And these things are not available readily. Um, I, they're hit or miss, right? You, maybe you go on Amazon today and you'll find a box of gloves and the other 10,000 people that tried to do that won't. So um, we shared some supplies and we also raised a red flag to some people that we know at national organizations that this was happening to caregivers and that it's going to be widespread. Um, there is at the time of this recording, there is no national solution to that problem. Uh, I'm proud of us for raising it, and I, I'm just deeply saddened that it's a problem for so many of these caregivers across the country. I agree, and I, I, can, I can almost remember really that moment when I realized, um, wow, so who takes, care of the, who takes care of the care recipient if the caregiver gets sick? What's going to happen? We live a pretty simple life here, just me and Tom. My son can't come if I get sick because he's in the military and he just wouldn't be able to get up here. My daughter potentially could come here, but it'll be four hours for her to get here, but she could come here. It's, that's a possibility. It's more than what maybe some other people have. I sort of have that in the hip pocket, but supposing I need to stay home, so I, if I quarantine myself, how does Tom make meals for himself? 
It's well, he doesn't. It. And in that case, you need to you you'll you would need to execute it the best that you could. Um, my best advice to caregivers right now who are in that situation um, is to think about the things that you can streamline. Can you meal prep a couple of weeks worth of food that can be grabbed from your refrigerator? Um, pray that you don't get sick and replenish that. You know, on the every weekend, so that you kind of have it going. Can you go ahead and order? Prescription refills now, um, all of the pharmacies are able to give refills up to 90 days in advance using a disaster code. So can you? Yes, and you should. You should order them now so that you have them on hand, whether it's because you just need them and can't get out or because you become sick and are able or because I mean, perhaps you perish from coronavirus. I mean, that's this is a very real possibility. Caregivers in this country will perish from this disease. And we need to think about what that looks like for their care recipient. Um, having the binder, having supplies on hand and being able to call someone, could be a loved one you haven't talked to in 10 years. Um, it, may be, it may be a high school best friend that you pinky swore you'd always be there for that you haven't talked to in way too long. Call that person. Get your worst case reality plan in place because folks, this can hit any of us. I know a lot of people doubted that for a while but you and I have been listening to the news reports and staying up on this so we can keep our loved ones safe. And the reality is, is that, you know, a hundred thousand, maybe a quarter million people in our country could die. It's an incredible, it really is. And I don't mean incredible in a good way, right? It's, it's devastating to think about it. I, so one of the plans when you were, when you were talking about, you know, the, the caregiver got sick and I, we, ha I have a very good relationship with the, uh, with our healthcare provider. I don't know that I've shared this on the podcast, but maybe I have. Tom and I have the same healthcare provider. I thought that was really beneficial to us. So if you're listening and you're, you're thinking, well, that's great because I don't have, we don't share the same healthcare provider. It's something to consider in the future. It's been very useful for me because our healthcare provider knows our situation. He knows my situation. He he does, you know, bi-yearly blood work on me. We watch things. We're careful because we know what stress can do to our bodies. And it's caregivers are always at some undue stress level, even if they're not necessarily feeling it. It's always there. You know, there's always in the somewhere in your body that stress is happening for you. And so we, he gets it and he understands. And I had my biannual checkup a couple of weeks ago, and we did a video checkup because that was right after President Trump said that that would be reimbursed by Medicare. And I do have a, a government insurance from uh, the VA, so it would be covered. And we talked about how we should handle it if I got sick. If I didn't need to go to the hospital, like there was no respiratory issues, we would, we would contain Tom in the bedroom, in the master bedroom so that I could do all of the cooking and all of that kind of stuff. And then I would put on my gloves and my masks to bring him food and he can still ambulate. He can still walk around and he would bring his empty, his dishes to the end of the hallway and I would bring them out. And that's how we would have to live. We would really have to quarantine him mm -hmm. and not quarantine me because I have to do all the things. And I think also this is, it's important to think about this, um, whether you care for someone with a disability in your home um, or you just are at home quarantined with your family members, if somebody becomes ill, 
but they are not seriously ill enough to go to the hospital. You need to quarantine them inside of your home to protect everyone. Um, there was a family in New Jersey uh, that gathered for a wedding reception, I believe, and, and many members of that family have passed away. Um, so we now know how easy it is to spread the disease and it's just really important that we're all super vigilant right now. Um, so these are some tough topics, heavy things. We often like to, to leave you with more solutions than problems, and we always wanna give you some hope. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna talk about some things that you can do in your community, um, some things that a national organization is doing to help communities, and we'll talk about our next podcast, which we hope will give you some strategies for coping with all this anxiety. So we'll be back in just a minute. All right, well, we're back and thanks for listening today to this worst case reality episode. Um, we we don't wanna be all gloom and doom and um, certainly wanna talk about some things that are happening across the country, which are really good. Now, I'm gonna give our listeners a suggestion, an idea about something that they can do to help their um, people right there in their community. I got this idea off of Pinterest and you need to be kind of careful when you pack it up, but take a box or a basket in your home, put your gloves on, wash your hands, whatever you need to do to keep, keep your germs, in case you have some, off of this box. Put a trash can liner over top of it and put some things in the box that you've heard people don't have. Now, um, I took a roll of toilet paper and wrapped it up in plastic and put it in there. And I put a couple of waters and a couple of um, Nutrigrain bars and an extra bottle of, um, anti of disinfectant cleaner that I have. And I made a little sign for it. And it said, thank you for making a delivery to my house during this really stressful time. And please help yourself to any of these items that you might need. And I left it on my front porch for UPS, FedEx, the, Postal Service, DHL, whomever might need that. If you are bringing something to my front door, I want you to still feel as welcome as if I opened it and smiled at you. So maybe if we all did that, wouldn't that be nice? That would be so nice. Has anybody um, taken anything from it? Um, so we had one delivery yesterday and that delivery person did not take anything. Um, but I haven't checked it today. And so, and we, I believe there has been a delivery today. So, um, I will check it later. I'm, I'm not going out there until like later when I walk my dogs because I'm trying to, I'm doing a good job of socially distancing myself. Wow. I love that. Such a beautiful idea. I, um, have a neighbor who just had a baby or a second baby and they couldn't find toilet paper. And so the other day when I was out shopping, I bought him toilet paper and I said, okay, I'll text you when I put it on the porch and then I'll text you when I leave and I have my gloves on and my mask on. So you'll, you'll be good with that. You just do whatever you want to do with it. But um, it's nice to be able to do that. And because I'm usually the one who ends up getting, you know, people helping me and I don't really love to always be in that situation. I really love to help people. Well, and that, that's really such a Mr. Rogers theory, but, but don't we feel better when we help someone? And 
there are a lot fewer ways right now to find ways to make yourself feel better because a lot of times we'll say, well, you know, go out and have lunch or go walk on the beach, which is closed or, <laughs> and right. so this is just one little thing. And you know, if you're listening and you don't have extra things, that's okay too. We've got some other ideas um, that we're going to share, but um, that's one thing like right at your doorstep that you can do. Now um, I just learned about a new online map, if you will, and it's from somebody that we love, AARP. You and I both have done some work with AARP in the past. They have developed a website for mutual aid. Now, you and I kind of joke that we're in um, a mutual admiration society. I got that from my friend, Patty Donahue. <laughs> um, but uh, this actually, this mutual aid group idea um, is a really interesting way to com connect communities. And you can visit aarpcommunityconnections.org and you can find organizations or groups of people who are making offers to help. So they've, so what AARP has done is they've aggravated these mutual groups as like a public resource. And they're in local communities. Now they're not vetted by AARP. So you need to be like super cautious like you would if you were maybe shopping on eBay, right? Or you listed some furniture on Facebook. You wanna be super cautious, but um, many of the mutual aid listings are local churches, nonprofit organizations, community entities that are trying to reach constituents with their help. Everything from drive-through food banks, where they have it all boxed, they're wearing personal protective gear and you just drive through, they give you a couple weeks worth of food and then you drive home. Um, there are senior centers with information on there. There are companies that have shuttered their doors and they have, you know, gloves that they're, that they are able to give the elderly or just different things. So strongly encourage you to visit um, aarpcommunityconnections.org and check that out. And then, so there's one way you can access what's already listed, but you can also list like what you have. So um, if you own a restaurant and you had, you know, two, 200 rolls of toilet paper that nobody is going to use because they can't come inside for, we don't know how long. I mean, you, you could um, offer that up. You could put a disclaimer that it's for, you know, a certain age group or that it's for senior center, whatever it is. Um, that's just like an example. I didn't see that on there, but I, I think this is a really great idea that AARP has very quickly executed. And um, again, it's in your local community. So it would be something that you could easily vet yourself um, and, and just go on there and see what's available because I was really surprised at all the things that I found. Yeah, AARP does a remarkable job. And I, I would encourage caregivers of all ages to visit the website and see what they have going on there. They, they, have, they offer a lot of great information for caregivers. They're, it seems like, oh, you know, but that's for old people. But it's really for caregivers. They've really broadened their scope and they provide a lot of, yes, there is a lot of things there for older people, but there's a lot of information on their website. They have, on Thursdays, they have a town hall meeting about the virus. We share, I shared that on our 
Yeah, that's so informative. And they're bringing experts and vetted information. You don't have to worry about whether, you know, it's something that's just being passed around the internet or that it's, you know, it's outdated because we know that information about this virus is changing daily. And the folks at AARP are really keeping up on that. Um, you know, another example I found on their, on this um, tool that they built is a nonprofit in Florida that um, specializes on feeding the elderly. And so if, if you're an elderly person and you're maybe you're feeling afraid to go to the grocery store or maybe you don't have a car and the public transportation isn't running anymore, um, they can get you food. And I just love that. You know, I really just love that. And I, I also think if you share with um, people that you're having difficulty getting supplies that you need in your house, you'd be surprised at how helpful people can be, whether it's a church, even if you don't go to that church, even if you haven't been to church in years. I would bet if you call the pastor or you call the office at the church that somebody there would be willing to drop food on your doorstep for you and not try to contaminate you or anything like that. I just really, I think that people are being as helpful as they possibly can. It's I think that uh, one really good, point that I want to make here based off of that uh, great recommendation, Mayor, is uh, operate in concentric circles with this thing, with your needs. So um, if, if you have a need that needs to be met, for sure go on the AAR whip, AARP website and see if you can find um, a local source. I mean, it's, a, it's literally a map and you can see the, where the pins are. But think about in your neighborhood, what's the closest church to your home? You know, what's the, and start there. So work in concentric circles as close to your home as possible and then go out a little bit and a little bit because what we're all trying to do right now is just get through this really tough time. Make a list of what you need. Go through your house or your cabinets. Make a list of the, the priority items that you need and see if you can get those filled first. And come up with substitutes because you could go in the store and it's weird how there's some things and then there's not some things. It's like weird. like. There's no ketchup here. It's America and there's no ketchup. That sounds trivial, but there's no ketchup. I've never been into a grocery store before where there was no produce at all. <laughs> Last time I was in the grocery store, there was none. Every single thing was gone. Every green bean, every pepper, like everything was gone. I went to the store once. I've only been three times in... Now I'm starting my sixth week because remember my brother had surgery kind of when all this started to break. So I've only been three times in six weeks and that's, you know, for my whole family. And there was no meat. There was zero meat. It's crazy. Anna. It's crazy. No paper products. I'm trying to think what was the other one? Oh, no pasta. No no uh, feminine products on one of my trips. Now, if you're listening to this in the future, you're probably like, I, they can't even believe that. And I think part of the reason, some, most of our podcasts, we try to keep with evergreen content, right? If you listen to this now or six months. But I also think that it's important for us to sort of record like the bizarreness of all. Of I know, it's crazy. I went into the CVS the other day. So, and I, I was... It was an amazing experience. I had to go in. I had to get, I really like um, a, a nighttime medication to help me sleep. 
I've taken, I've been taking it for so long. I can't even not take it anymore. I, I'd be wide awake, you know, so it's a, an ibuprofen PM. So I went in there, I had my gloves with me. I had my mask, but they have an automatic door. So I went in the automatic door. There were only two bottles of this left on their shelf. So I picked up those two bottles. I went to the front to cash out and there was a big table in front of the cashier. So you couldn't get too close to the cashier. They couldn't be close to you. They put the credit card machine on the table. You press it in and you don't even have to do anything. You don't have to sign anything. You just put it in, you take it out. Nobody's touched your card. And then, and I held the, the boxes up so she could scan them without touching them, right? So we had like this whole non-touching experience. It was, it was crazy, but kind of cool. I kind of wish I had recorded the whole thing, like videoed the whole thing. And then she said, do you want a bag? And I said, don't bother. I'll just put them in my pocketbook. Do you want your receipt? I said, throw it out. <laughs> no. And also, why are your receipts so long, CVS? Let's talk. <laughs> Let's talk. They could be a bandage. Uh, maybe people need toilet paper. Just throwing that out there. Go buy <laughs> anything at CVS besides toilet paper. They'll give you like half a roll right there, just coming off of the, the cash register. All right. You go there a few times, and then you can make your own big roll. Uh, you got it. Humor is our coping tactic, that's for sure. Um, well, before we wrap this up, um, I want to I want to thank you, Mary, for agreeing to talk about this subject. It's raw for both of us. Um, we work in the caregiving world, and so we're hearing from so many caregivers about so many topics right now that they're struggling with. Um, and I wanted to just address like the elephant in the room that we could die, and what does that look like for our our care recipient and um, and then we want to introduce what we're going to do next week. Do you want to tell everybody about that? Yeah, I do. So, you know, this is one of my favorite topics. Um, we can't change what's happening right now, but we can change how we address it in our lives and how we cope with it. Those are choices that we can make and we don't always have the strategies for them. So on our next podcast, we're going to talk about strategies for getting through the crisis and through the chaos and how that can provide comfort for us, even if they're little tiny moments. If you string enough of those little tiny moments together, you might feel that you can breathe a little bit easier at the end of the day and you can relax a little bit because some things we can't change. I can't change it if I get this virus and neither can you. And I can't change it if Tom gets it and he dies from it. I cannot change any of that. He's more likely to die than almost anybody I know right now if he were to get it. So, or we can do our best. Well, we want to provide some strategies on how to get through those more difficult moments. We covered a lot of great topics here and I would be so lost without you. So you're, you're my caregiver buddy on like a million different levels. You even sent me gloves so I didn't get that toxic medication on me. And I, I love that you did that and I appreciate it. And I, I just would be so lost if I didn't have you in my life. I feel exactly the same. I've, I'm teetering back and forth between, I'm fine, I've got this, I, to, I don't know what's happening and I'm scared. And you know, my brother's really vulnerable and I can't see my son right now because, you know, social distancing. But my son said something to me on the phone the other day, and he said, you know, mom, I think this is going to change people. I think it's going to make people more compassionate, and I think there's no good outcome to this. We're going to lose a lot of people. We all, you know, thousands and thousands of people across the world have already perished, 
but if there can be some good come out of this, I hope it's compassion. And I think that caregivers lead the way on that. Yeah. We know, we know compassion like no other, like we just know how difficult life can be in ways that other people don't. And I, I agree with your son. That's a beautiful perspective. I saw it with my daughter the other day. She, she saw me post how much I missed the kids the other day, the little ones and my whole family. So she put together a whole FaceTime birthday party for Lily turned two, our granddaughter. <laughs> it was so cute. Oh, and it was just so wonderful, you know, to see, to have as, as close as we could have everybody together, you know. And those are the things that are hard, but they drive compassion. I can even see it in Joseph, the six-year-old, whose life will be, he will always forever remember this. So many children will. I can't even watch the news at night without weeping through it. And I'm so heartbroken at how impactful this will be to this generation of children. I'm really like, I could cry right now think, talking about it. The... Um... The long-term effects are yet to be seen, but in the short term, the one thing that we can do for each other is to be there because we are better together and we can even make a difference right from our homes. And um, I hope everyone tries to do that. And I mean, we're getting kind of emotional here with our closing words, but that's, that's just who we are. And we're caregivers at heart. And that's what this caregiver life is really all about. Um, I want to recognize so many people right now. Our audience has grown, Mare. Well, we have. How many people are, are taking the time to listen to us, which is such an honor. And I don't even want to give the number because last night it changed by 100. I know it did. So we, I, do. we have thousands of people listening to us. And I feel like that's because so, so many folks are either in this caregiving life or they um they want to know about it so they can support people who are and just so much gratitude on every show we tell you where to find us just at this caregiver life at this caregiver you'll find us um and and the show notes of course we always put links and we'll put a link in our show notes today to our worst case scenario episode so please consider listening to that and making a plan for yourself for your family and um Stay tuned, subscribe, please, so that you get our next episode where Mare will teach us how to breathe a little bit through this. Yep, we will. And we'll, um, we would love to have questions. If you have questions, if you have concerns, if there's things we didn't cover that you'd like us to cover, if you know some things that we don't know, we don't profess to know everything, that's for sure. Um, share it with us and we'll share it we'll share it on our podcast we we appreciate any information that people are willing to um to share with us one thing i do at the end of every um speech and i'm obviously not giving my motivational speech to any audiences right now or anytime soon but one thing i always do at the end of my speeches is ask my audience to get their phones out or to open their laptops um, or grab a piece of paper um, right now, I think it's best if we all use uh, something digital, uh, but to send a communication to somebody in their life that they care about. Email, Snapchat, Instagram, private message, however you communicate with people. And just in that message say, I want you to know I'm here for you 24-7, no matter what, because the truth is we all need each other right now. 
And a lot of people are going to find themselves in dark places. Mm -hmm. And none of us has to be alone. Even if we're sitting in our house by ourselves, we can, we can stay connected the way that you and I did. So I want to challenge our listeners to do that today. And um, I guarantee you're going to get a message back that says, I'm here for you too. I love you. Oh my gosh. If you're lucky, you'll get one of those, uh, those kissy face emojis, the the Mm -hmm. three hearts. Yeah. Yeah. I love them. So we're stronger together and we're healthier apart right now. That's right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. And thank you, Mayor, for just um, allowing our, allowing my concerns to flow for our audience and, um, and for offering us some hope um, through our next episode. So I guess I will say until next time. Yes, ma'am. Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life.